You are now listening to The Secret Life of a Grad Student. I'm Megan. I'm Laura, and we are two grad students who want to share the untold stories of graduate students past and present. Hi everyone, I'm currently with Mina Bissell in her house at Berkeley. Mina did her graduate school at Harvard University and she is now a distinguished scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. She is known for her research on breast cancer and just told me that she has been nominated for the Nobel Prize, so congratulations. But today we are interviewing her about her early scientist career. So Mina, could you start by telling us about your childhood, your influences, and how science started? Well, I came, as you have read in my bios in, in the, on the web and otherwise, I came from a very educated family. I, I read that your father has a PhD from France. Or, yes. 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 As a lawyer? He was a lawyer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And all my aunts were one way or the other, except for one, um, uh, were educated. My aunt had a thing of Ecole Normale, no, uh, of Sorbonne. She, she had a, a PhD from Sorbonne. Um, the other uh, uncles were judges or lawyers or, you know. Only one aunt was uh, a housewife, but her housewife was sort of a very different uh, from what you would imagine in that, of course, they had servants and they had people who lived with them and they cooked and did. So the wife was, you know, if, if she wanted to, could have a literary salon or could have, you know, it was it was a very, very good childhood for me. I was very, um, very fortunate. Yeah. Um, especially with my mom. Well, my mom was a very thoughtful, intuitive lady. She was not educated in the way, in the sense that she didn't have a PhD. She wasn't very, my whole mother's side were not, were more kind of like ordinary middle class or upper middle class with some connection to the old court. My mother was raising us, and my father, of course, was there, and he, there wasn't a son. There were two daughters. So I was the younger, and I was always very good in these different things, but, you know, the way I was. But my mother understood me very well. And she also, if you ask her, uh, children or education, she would say, no, you have to have a job of your own. You have to be independent, because she wasn't. And she was one of the only one in the family, actually, that had my father had asked to marry her after she was a friend of his sister. And they, uh, you know, and she had one year of college and they pulled her out. And at the age of 19, she married my father, who was 13 years older. Oh, wow. But, you know, he was a very interesting guy. But she was not at all political. She was not at all literary. She, she was just a lady, kind of. Father came a little bit later for me to understand him, but because he was more distant, he, want, he was into politics, mm -hmm. and um, but he he had a very keen sense of justice. 
he um, was chosen to be the Minister of Justice, and he was supposed to go and meet the Shah's sister. Mm -hmm. And they all had to bow and kiss her hand. Yeah. And he wouldn't do it. So he bent, but didn't kiss his hand, her hand. And the next day he heard that they are withdrawing the job. <laughs> he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> and he never told us this story. We heard it from other people. Yeah. <laughs> so as I grew up, I had amazing respect for my father. He also would come home for lunch, and lunch is our big uh, meal in Iran. And, and my father would... Um, would um, test us on the table at lunch. So the idea was that he would uh, give a line of poetry and the last letter of the first line, then I had to start with the line mm -hmm. that started with that. And that wow. was a game that mm -hmm. uh, Iranians play. And we would play it all the time. So I loved literature. I loved poetry. I loved, yeah. you know, all these best, most important poets in the world, you know, yeah. the Iran is just, everybody loves poetry and everybody, yeah. you know, recites poetry and everything. But my father was kind of distant, and yet, as I grew up, I realized that it was his family and him that, that made me who I am. And, um, and, uh, and Manda was the first daughter, and of course, my father and my mom were crazy about her. Mm -hmm. And I was the second, and I should have turned out to be a guy, but I turned out again being a girl, although my father, you know, men are still just like American men. If they have a daughter, then they want a son. <laughs> and if they want... <laughs> so I think my father was much less interested in me, I think, as I, as I recall from stories and but he was so proud of me <laughs> you are so you learn everything you remember everything you just <laughs> yeah. it's crazy because they would give me my i remember my sister and my cousins once would not believe how i could memorize everything so they sat by the door to receive the magazine that was coming every friday so i hadn't seen it i had, so they uh, told me, they read me an article and said, okay, recite. And I just recite. The family <clears throat> uh, background was just very educated. Yes. Everybody was reading books. Uh, first thing anybody would come to the door would say, what are you reading? And I was in sixth grade mm. and I was reading Grape of Rats, <laughs> this big, big thing of was <laughs> So, you know, it was, and I was a very sensitive and um, very tight, um, uppity uh, little girl. Yeah. Sometime around, um, uh, around age eight, I was playing with my 15-year-old um, uh, cousin who just had come back from France, and um, he, in my uncle's house, and... He had put a rope between two columns, mm -hmm. and he would jump, and he would say, Mina, Mina, jump. And I was eight, he was 15. And he kept putting it up, putting it up, putting it up, and there was nothing on the ground unless, I don't know if it was marble or it was asphalt or mm -hmm. it was whatever. So I cracked my skull. I jumped and I cracked my skull. 
And this is when and I was eight. Yes. Yeah. And in Iran. And you said you said that before that you had the gift of having this photography yes, memory, did, and yeah. you lost it through this accident. I lost almost most of it. I, okay. I mean, yeah. And but but so and I got completely deaf on my left ear. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm completely deaf in my left ear, and it was a big deal. I mean, they thought I would die, and oh. everybody, you know, my poor mom, <laughs> just myself. You know, I remember sitting in a bed that had. Um, Uh, it still was my childhood bed that had a side, and they would put it up so I won't fall off. But I remember every time I sat up, I would I would uh, vomit blood. Oh. It was just something um, incredible. But I don't remember how I healed, you know, probably for a certain amount of time. But unfortunately, lost some of my, uh, um, you know, in this side because it just was completely gone. So even now... I can't remember names. I can't remember addresses. It's very difficult to learn languages because oh. you have to memorize. But she did an excellent job with English. I killed myself to learn that. <laughs> I I really don't know. I had no choice. Yes. You see, it was hard. So um, so I and people always ask me, when did you begin to think about science? I, the only thing I can say is that I read like crazy as a kid, and there was a book about Madame Curie. At that time, I was eleven. Yeah. And I have no idea that that had anything to do with it. I even had forgotten because I was reading everything. Yes. And so the idea of doing, and I was very good in physics and mm -hmm. chemistry, and I was also very good in literature in high school. So. It wasn't that I preferred one as opposed to the other. My high school was so good in Iran that that chemistry was easy for me. Yes. Uh, uh, math was easy for me. So you have uh, all this educated family that are your big influences, and you get a fellowship to go to the U.S., even if your dad wants you to go to U.K. So which year was that when you came to the US? 1959. It was almost 1960. Yeah. And how was it to move by yourself? Were you alone or did you have any family? I was completely alone. Well, I had an uncle who was a professor of mathematics in mm -hmm. New York when I went. And I didn't live with him, but I he arranged for me to have a room and to do. So I went to Queens College and had three months Uh, learning English. I knew so little English wow. because I hated languages and I hate Arabic, uh, whatever, geography, because I had to memorize and I had lost the gift. I was very lucky I went to Bryn Mawr College. It's a fantastic school in U.S. I think it's the best, uh -huh. really, because I have been to Harvard, I have been to Radcliffe, I have been to Berkeley, I have been, you know, you name it. And They are wonderful. It's a woman college, although men are not there and, and yes. they even stay in the dormitories and whatever. But in, in those days, it was basically female. And, um, and the way I learned about it, what did I know? I was going to come to U.S. and I was thinking, well, University of Pennsylvania or whatever. So there was a, a, a center in Iran called the American Friends of Middle East. And if you wanted to go to U.S., you had to pass your visa through them. 
you had to wow. take your your thing through. So I applied, and then one day we heard from the guy who was the head of that office, and he asked um, my father. He talked to my father, who was not learning English, <laughs> and um, and he said, uh, "Come with your daughter to my office. I want to talk to you." He had looked at my my record. I was the top student in the country. Yes, you had so, the award from the Shah, yes, right? Yes, very impressive. Yeah. So he had us go there and he said, your daughter should go to Primar because I have looked at her record and if I had a daughter, I would send them to Primar. We had no idea. And it was expensive, and but I had a scholarship from, from Iran. It wasn't the one that Shah gave me, but it was one that we took exams and they ended up being five of us uh, who... Uh, came in each area. So one in chemistry, one in physics, one in math, one, you know, and I was in biology, or maybe three of us in biology, I forgot. So there were five of us who were, who got the scholarship to go to college, wherever they wanted to. Yes. So we went to, I went um, to Brimore, yeah. and they didn't even ask me to pass exam or anything. But they said, you have to have two languages, and we accept Farsi as one. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I took a course in French, and I nearly died. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have the ability to remember, and I didn't, had lost it because yes. of this fall. Yes. And so I would, I would work on something, and then I would forget. <laughs> but oh. anyway, I passed my French uh, one way or the other. <laughs> They said that they don't let um, foreign students to take the first year uh, English literature because at Bryn Mawr, it was very difficult. Mm -hmm. You had to read a book during the week and you had to write an essay over the weekend and you had to hand it at 8 a.m. Monday. Wow. And I hardly knew the words. Yeah. And the first book they gave me was Faulkner. Faulkner. I mean, even Americans can't read Faulkner. This was a big, <laughs> longest thing called The Bear. Where this, and, and actually, now that I read it, it's a magnificent story. But it was a story where it had no full stops. It had no, it just, oh. the whole thing would go. I mean, the paragraph wouldn't finish. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Then, um, but nevertheless, I had the best, most amazing English teacher and she really is in fact is in my Wilson Award uh, thing I always mention her name she's now 97 her husband was a professor and they had not given her a professorship she was an instructor she had masters and had many books and was so much more capable than her husband <laughs> and um, and her books just are, are classic now her name was Anne Bertoff anyway so so I I was there for two years, and then I met my first husband, mm -hmm. who uh, we, it was Persian New Year, which is a very old um, tradition, 5,000 year of tradition okay. in New York. Okay. <laughs> and this guy came and wanted to dance with me, and I was all dressed up, still like the way Iranians used to, you know, we were all like that, you know, mm -hmm. long 
<laughs> Long gloves, back like here, whatever. No wonder there was a revolution <laughs> in Iran. Anyway, it was it was crazy. So yeah, we got married, and my daughter is from him. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Monty and I met at Harvard when I was a graduate student. And Monty was in medical school; had taken a year off to come to our department uh, to um, learn molecular biology. Mm-hmm. Uh, in medical school at Harvard in those days, they would give you a year off. Nobody would say you should do this or you should. Yeah. So, you know, I would sort of choose my own way because none of them, my family were there. And yeah. uh, and my husband's uh, first husband was all in economic and, you know. He yeah, was, so he uh, couldn't either influence you in science. Yeah, exactly. So you are in the, in the U.S., you meet your first husband, you have your first child. How is it by being so far away from your own family and have to deal with everything? We ask you the question, how do you do? But literally, yes. (laughs) They say, how did you you do all those things? I say badly. (laughs) When When I had my first child, my daughter, it was impossible. I met this wonderful, wonderful Irish family in Boston. I took my daughter and boy did they fell in love with her. And it became like a second family. And it was wonderful, which was like having grandmother. Yes. But of course, when I uh, uh, had my daughter, when I delivered my daughter, my mother had come to US for for the summer. Mm -hmm. And she stayed with me. She stayed one month before and two months after. Yeah. This was amazing. Yeah. And when my son was born, I had said to Monty that I will not have a kid unless uh, somebody comes and takes care of them. Yeah. So my mom sent a, a half Iranian, half Russian lady. And this woman was just incredible. It was a heavenly year. Yeah. It was even better than before I had uh, my son. <laughs> and of course, she was in love with my son. How did you decide about grad school? How did you, why did you get to grad school and how did you decide? Immediately after, I yeah. didn't, yeah. I had, um, I had no, I knew that I was going to be studying. When I wanted to go to, uh, to graduate school, then the question was, where do I go? And uh, I didn't want to be a medical doctor because I wanted to have children. And I also didn't think I want to get up in the middle of the night. I'm a late, late night person, but I sleep in the morning. If, they had, if I had to get up at six o'clock, I, I'm just not functioning. <laughs> I went for interview to Brandeis, um, not even thinking that I wanted to go to Harvard or something. I mean, it just wasn't an issue with me. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I forget who. So I talked to the guys at Brandeis and said, if you want to have kids, you can't have a PhD. Just in those days, it was, was just like that. Yeah. How did you take that? Like, well, somebody now, with... now you guys are, 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 you just have no idea how hard it was. But that's why I wanted you to see, tell us. Yeah, that's, that's why the background matters, you see. I mean, I was raised in a family that all had doctors, PhDs, whatever. My mom would say, don't have children, just yeah. do your thing. You have to have... So it for me, 
it was not even a choice. It was something that everybody did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I was curious. I always wanted to know why. It was in um, Brandeis, so I didn't go to Brandeis. Oh, That's how I so ended you... up to Harvard, gotcha. the graduate school at Harvard. And because I just I just uh, applied and they got me in. Okay. Because my professors at Brimar wrote and, you know, so I am a Harvard graduate. I used to write Radcliffe Harvard and it would confuse people. Yeah. They don't remember what Radcliffe was. So how about didn't have any problem for you having the kids? And can you go um, during your grad school in conferences? Yeah. Yeah? In my graduate school, um, more than anything else, there were so few women. There were three women in graduate school and 200 men at medical school. And it was was very difficult. And And the chemistry professors... Uh, in the graduate school, they would keep keep their their students for eight years. They wouldn't send them to anything. Sixty five faculty in Berkeley, um, in Berkeley. Now I'm talking about mm-hmm. Berkeley because I came here for my postdoc. I was so amazed that they would not send these poor kids. Uh, they would work in their in. They had sixty men faculty. And then eventually they hired one woman, and even now is like eighteen percent women at Berkeley yes. in chemistry department. So I was very much associated with them because I was in this um, place in Berkeley that Melvin Calvin, who won the Nobel Prize for Path of Carbon in Photosynthesis, he was the boss. I went there after I finished my PhD. I went there as a postdoc. Melvin Calvin, whom I ended up being very good friends with, but he was so powerful and so difficult. I went and gave a lecture in their, uh, when I was three months pregnant because he had one of the people who had worked with him got interested in glucose metabolism in animals because he was doing glucose metabolism in plants. So I went and gave them a talk on glucose metabolism I was three months pregnant and I didn't tell anybody. So they hired me and they said, come. So I went to go claim my job when I was seven months pregnant. And then I was like this. Oh, yeah. I was wearing a big black dress. He was coming down from the step. He looked at me. He said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm in a vessel. I came here and gave you a talk. He said, turn around and go home. We wow. do not take pregnant women in the lab. Oh my God. And, um, and of course, we were using also radioactivity. So in a way... That makes sense. In a way, I don't think he had that in mind. He just, you know... Yeah. Just... <laughs> so I just looked at him, turned around, went home and cried. And I had no idea what to do. <laughs> anyway, it was very difficult. Oh so it was, anyway, it has been quite an adventure. It was wonderful. But... Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories today. Yeah, that was uh, wonderful. (laughs) Very, very thankful. I'm very still enthusiastic in my old age. I love what I do. And I just will never stop doing science. (laughs) I I have to keep doing it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank (laughs) you so much for you. Yes. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to The Secret Life of a Graduate Student. That was Mina Bisson interview. Next week, we are coming back to talk more about traveling and conferences with our entire panel of guests, Maren, Pablo, and Mina. So stay connected and don't hesitate to share if you enjoy our podcast.